Right. You ready? Yeah. Guess who's back? Back again. Steven's back. Oh, so well, we've is never Zach. made that joke before. We've never made that joke before ever. <laughs> never on the episode. This is the first time this has ever happened. <laughs> Guess who's back? Guess who's back? Steven Zach. Steven Zach. Steven Zach. Steven Zach. You just keep going until it's just like Yo, 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 my name is Steven, with me is my co-host Zach, and you're listening to the Kick Knowledge Podcast, the only podcast in the world where we bring back hip-hop's fifth element. I mean, there's some other podcasts that are doing a pretty good job of that, but... No, no, they're not, because the cypher just stopped. For a while, at least. Oh, I interpreted it as forever. They said indefinite leave, but I don't know if it's like for sure forever, ever. I don't know. Oh, I was, was like, my impression. I was like, but. um, the, 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 the king is dead. Long live the king and us being the new king. That's, that's how I interpreted it. Well, I mean, it. you know, I mean, there's, there's a few cool ones, but Speaking I mean, which we need to have Sean back on. That'd be cool. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, yeah, I saw he was on, um, what's it called? Dad Bod Rap Pod. The Dad Bod Good Rap name. Pod, which is so- an amazing solid name. name. Yeah. Solid name. I mean, if they're listening, I don't know. They're following us on, ch- on Twitter. So um, that's good. Maybe they're listening. That's a solid name. I mean, I'm partial to kick knowledge, but yeah. Dad Bod Rap Pod. We got a gig really- coming up in June. Yo. We're going to be live. Oh my god! This the episode is going to be all over the place because yeah. um, this is the first time we're recording since like mid December December-ish? when yeah. we recorded the Christmas episode, and <laughs> um, and since then uh, a lot has happened um, in hip hop in our personal lives and um, just it was so hectic. Yeah. But I mean, um. In the meanwhile, uh, I upgraded my setup, so if I'm talking with a boomy radio voice like Joe Rogan, that's because I yeah, we're on Joe Rogan levels. Yeah, at least just in audio quality, not really anything else. Hopefully, no, no. (laughs) Hopefully, we're not all alt right gateways. So, I mean, I would like Kanye on the show. I mean, yeah, and Killer Mike. That would be kind of cool. Killer Mike, that's cool. Like Ben Shapiro or Jordan Peterson, I, he can keep those. Yeah, or uh, what's that? That um, change my mind, motherfucker. Actually, I would like to have. This, this is a very like, in a, like a very sadistic way. Like I'd like to have Ben Shapiro on because he's just a fucking idiot when it comes to hip hop, <laughs> and I just want to completely dunk on him and be like, "Hey, you're a big fat piece of shit. And you're an idiot and you're stupid." <laughs> like, and him just say these like racist things and us just being like fuck you i don't yes. think that'd be a very constructive argument but it, but it would be something it would feel good yeah you <laughs> completely destroy because he's all about destroying leftists and it's like well i'd like to destroy you so <laughs> i guess we're on the same we're on the same page anyway nice. enough nice. about enough about that yo um yeah let's uh let's start 
with the uh, first things first, Zach. How are you doing, man? It's been. A, I mean, we've been. I am good. Um, these couple months have been kind of crazy since we last recorded. I went to Austria. Nice. Snowy um, stuff. With a Snowy? few friends. It was snowing when we got there, and then it kind of warmed up and melted, which was kind of a bummer. But um, I saw. Um, I was I wasn't going there for anything hip hop research related. I was just going just to go with some friends. But it wound up turning into because I, you know, naturally went to a bunch of yeah, of course. Stores. And then, um, I went and saw this guy Devaloop. He's this. He's on like, if you listen to like any lo-fi beat, like lo-fi hip hop playlist on Spotify, he's probably on there nice. somewhere. Devaloop. But um, and he's originally, yeah, Devaloop. And um, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, he was he's originally from Salzburg, which I didn't know about. And we were in Salzburg, and he was doing a show. He was doing like a little beat set. Um, and I was like, Hey, cool. Like I just saw a sign in one of the record stores that like hip hop show tonight. And I was like, Hey, that's cool. So I saw him live and he was great. And German hip hop is really cool. Or I guess Austrian German, yeah, whatever. German language hip hop is really cool. But, um, uh, nice man. So yeah, that was really cool. And you're then really ex- you're really past- exploring the uh, European hip hop scene, I guess. Yeah. 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 And it wasn't nice. even like intentional. It just sort of happened. Yeah. But um, then um, a couple weeks ago, I saw Slum Village, Ooh. Um, it's which Dilla is now month. made up of T3. Yeah, I it mean, is Dilla month. I like I love it that it's a whole month now. It used to just be like a day. A day. Yeah. yeah. And now it's figure, like a whole like, month. Wait, well, he, his birthday is like February 6th and then his 7th and his six or I should know this. Why can't I know this? His day is the 10th. The 10th. Yeah. Yeah, so that's basically like hip hop Easter, yeah. like yeah, the whole few days. <laughs> that's incredible. Like I literally like told someone that because I was I was on I was on a show at the seventh, and then those whole few days I was like just listening to Dilla, and then on the tenth I went to London. Um, and there was like a it was called J Dilla Changed My Life, and it was like this big, um, it was this group of DJs who were doing like a tribute show to him, and then Fat Cat showed up and did, you know, did a few songs. Um, and then all the money went to the Yancey Foundation, and it was really, nice. really good, really good time. And it was at the Jazz Cafe in London, which Dilla actually performed oh, a couple shit. times at. Um, when he went, he was when he was on tour with Madlib um, in like 2004 that he did a few. And I actually found like concert footage of that, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> that would have been amazing. Oh, okay, so so yeah. his birthday. Um, his last birthday was the day that donuts drop, drop right, and then a couple days later he passed, yes. passed away. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's. And um, Questlove in his book Mo Meta Blues has a really good like. Well, it's not good as like it's not a happy story. It's really really sad. But like him like during the like those few days like when donuts dropped and then when he listened to it and then him visiting Dilla. Like on the day he died and then going to his funeral and like it was just like it's a whole like emotionally just heart ripping story. How like, is um but I definitely I mean I recommend it because it's a good nice it's that whole book is moment moment of blues. Yeah, we're talking mm-hmm. about books now. Uh later on in the episode we're reinstating King Knowledge Book Club, I think, right? Yeah, yes. that's the plan. Um yes. but yeah, I haven't read um Moment of Blues yet, but I saw it in store in I was thinking of getting it, but uh, and it, uh, it's still on my wish list. But yeah, anyway, it's very, very, I'll very. I'll definitely good. read it at some point. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, for me personally, like a lot of a lot has happened in my personal life, in 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 the sense that uh, a couple of funerals, stuff like that. Um, which is, I mean, that's one of the reasons where we why we didn't record uh, the last couple of couple of months. But um, I'm ready to go again, man. I'm so happy to talk to you again. Yeah, same. It's like, like a legit like. It felt. Like weirdly empty. Yeah, I know. It's not like we're not, like not recording. We haven't been in contact because obviously we've we're like multiple group chats and uh, you know with stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, so so like, but uh, for some reason, um, the, the, yeah, this podcast is is supposed to be sort of our weekly uh, hangout session. Considering that, like, you know, we're not in the same country, <laughs> so. Um, yeah, it's good to be talking to you again, man. Um, and a lot has happened in hip hop, and it's impossible for us to discuss everything. Um, but I guess we'll try to talk about some interesting things that happened in hip hop in our sort of news section. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. All right. So, what's you, what was we'll your least, yeah. most? Um, Yeah, how how do I put this? What was more most striking to you in hip hop news since the last time we dropped an episode? Episode which was Jesus, January second. I, I feel. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like I feel like we should talk about the Grammys, but I really don't care about the Grammys. I think that's that much. the point of talk. Yeah, like even when, like like it happened, and I was like, "Oh, Cardi B's gonna win," and then she won. And I was like, "All right," and we didn't even really talk about that album, Invasion of Privacy, because it's. Well, it's not that good. I don't really have any. I think it's perfectly yes. fine. It's, it's a decent record. She's a talented rapper. The production's solid. I don't know. I, like, I just don't have anything. It's a lot of unique to say about think? the album. We've discussed this really? before, um, and I want to get into this and the Grammys more. But um, yeah, so we've we we've been guilty of this before, where we pit any female MC against another one. We've done this before with Rhapsody and. Cardi B, I guess, and it happens a lot. And um, right now, you're seeing this um, this sort of Cardi B, Nicki Minaj kind of feud um, over the past year. Oh yeah. Do you think Cardi B is as talented as Nicki Minaj was as a writer? I mean, have you ever? I think she's fine. I don't know. That's just how I feel about Cardi B in general. Like sometimes she does some stuff. Like when she was getting on Twitter and talking, what was she talking about? I have no idea, man. <laughs> I think she was like repping AOC or something. Oh, but, but that's cool. I don't remember what Bronx, specifically right? happened. But she was doing, yeah, and I was yeah. like, yeah, that's kind of cool. I'm glad she's doing that. But I just, I'm completely indifferent to Cardi B. I'm sorry. I, but, I remember a conversation. And that's why we haven't really talked to her. Not that I, I don't think she's bad. I don't think, like she wasn't on her like end of the year list because it was just like, I mean, eh, there's a lot of records I that I wanted like, on that list that didn't make it. And uh, <laughs> that's true. Invasion of Same Privacy here. wasn't on there for me. But um, I remember a conversation we had, and I, I can prove this um, if I'm not too lazy. I can even prove it on the episode. I remember, because I recorded it, um, a conversation we had in the Mustang we rented in, um, in California, in Los Angeles. And we were driving That's right. um, on Mulholland Drive and on the radio, this, the, um, 
Bruno Mars song with Cardi B came on. Um, I'm blanking on the title right now. Oh, that's um, right. And you said Cardi B is so fucking good. She is. Yeah. She's very talented. Like I will give her that. Like she's, she's a very, very entertaining talented rapper. too. Yeah, she's very entertaining. She's very talented. Um, I'm not disagreeing. I have her. not heard her. Like, uh, uh, I just I think it's more of her sort of like, when it's just the way she talks. It's just so like loud and obnoxious. <laughs> it's just like it makes me think of an ex girlfriend and like who would talk in a somewhat similar way of just like yelling to prove her point. And it was just like, stop <laughs> yelling all the time, please. Like, just calm the fuck down. Like, I can't handle this level of just intensity. Yeah, like, I'm sorry. It's like, quiet. And she's like that all the time. Like, I see her like Instagram videos. I'm like, oh my God, why are you yelling? Like, please. Like, so I'm wondering, maybe, I don't know. I'm wondering, maybe man. that makes me sexist. I don't know. Nah, I don't know. Anymore. I don't know. I'm wondering, maybe <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'm the one to judge. Um, I'm wondering if Nicki, like in my mind, Nicki Minaj is a better rapper or lyricist, not necessarily saying she makes better songs or anything, but like purely the craft of emceeing. Like I think Nicki Minaj is better and I'm, and I'm trying to think right now what my opinion of Nicki Minaj would be overall if I'd never heard or like if the monster verse didn't exist. Cause like earlier today I played beautiful dark twist of fantasy again yeah. and, um, and monster comes on and it's like, pull up in a monster automobile gangster with a bad bitch that came from Sri Lanka. Yeah. I'm in a tanga color. I will Wanka. You could be the king, but watch the queen. Okay. First things first, I'll eat your brain. Then I'm going to start rocking gold teeth and fame. Cause that's what a motherfucking monster do. He addressed her from Milan. That's the monster do. Monster just a be healed. That's the monster show. Young money is the roster and a monster crow. And I'm pull up, pull up, pull up in the bank with the funny face. And if I'm fake, I ain't know this cause my money ain't. The whole fucking verse is incredible. Yeah, no, she's, yeah. And I wonder, like, I feel like because that's the, one of the first things that she put out in her career, I feel like that's sort of. Wait, really? Yeah, she had like that Crazy. that one huh. that record came out before her debut album was released, and um, her debut album was released the same day as Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, November twenty second, two thousand ten. I think yeah, that's right. That was an important day for me, obviously, because that's one of my most one of my favorite records uh dark fantasy i mean um but yeah i feel like that's sort of hovering over her career as well it's like all this time like every time she releases a song and it's not up to par not up to that level it must be crazy to like drop your best sort of project before you've even dropped your debut record um yeah anyway Back to the Grammys, Cardi B won over Mac Miller. You think that's deserved? And Pusha T. And Nipsey I was Hustle. Really for Pusha T. Nipsey Hustle too. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't. I know I know how you feel about the Nipsey Hustle record, but he was nominated. Don't, he's just not for me. I, <laughs> that's fair. Really that's fair. Same with Cardi B. Yeah. I just not for me. I did hear a very I mean, interesting record of, year, um, record of the year was "This Is America," which uh, that's that should be that's. I I completely support that. Yeah, that's, I mean, if we're just picking specific songs of the year, then absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, the song itself that. is already incredible, and then 
like, especially if you look at the video, it just fits so well with it. It's it's a great project. It's like a yeah. It's also one of the best like music videos. Yeah, it's like an entire album, like an entire thing condensed into one song, which is super solid. Pretty much, yeah. And I thought the this is where I really wanted what I really want to talk to you about um, the ultimate sort of um, fuck the Grammys kind of thing. So you know how Drake never goes to any award shows, right? Regardless of whether he's yeah winning an award or not, for some reason. Drake shows up to the Grammys, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he wins the the best rap song, I think, for for God's Plan, which is honestly it's a, it's Meh. it's a great it's a great it's song. a great song. Yeah, I don't know if it should have deserved the Grammy, but fine, I can live with that. Um, and he goes up there, and he's like, um, it's like he's channeling all this energy from like decades of being snubbed by the Grammys of hip hop being disrespected by the Grammys from, mm-hmm. from the first time that the Fresh Prince and Jazzy Jeff um, won the award, but it wasn't televised and then boycotting yeah, it yeah. to the fact that Macklemore and Ryan Lewis beat Kendrick Lamar to the fact that um, Nas, I believe has never won a Grammy. Yeah. Yeah. And he's going on stage in his acceptance speech. And he's basically saying, yeah, this piece of shit award doesn't mean shit. <laughs> and they cut him off. And I love it. Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's the most hip hop thing Drake has done in years. Um, and I think it's important. And we've talked about this before when we were talking to Nigel uh, about his Kendrick winning the Pulitzer Prize thing. And That's basically right. our conclusion or his conclusion rather was that... um. Hip hop doesn't need the validation from these ancient institutes that don't get hip hop anyway. Because like you're thinking Grammys are important because, I mean, they're the biggest award in hip in in pop music. But yeah, yeah, or in music. But really, like if you know how they get to the votes, like how they get to the results, it's all these people in the Grammy, like sort of like all these people, like these musicians voting on these. Grammy Awards and most of them voting on the hip hop awards have no idea what who these people even are, right? So they vote for yeah, Macklemore yeah. over Kendrick Lamar. Um stuff like that. So I mean that was I guess that was it for the Grammys. I don't know if you want to add something to that, but I pretty much agree. I don't I don't know. Do you think there should be like, like what do you think the point of awards is? Because that's the thing. I don't want to say they're completely pointless. Like, obviously, there is something to say about, like, like if you're a Grammy, even if you're just a Grammy-nominated producer, rapper, whatever, yeah. like, that's really, that's insane. Like, you know, that's something to, I don't know, to respect, yeah. I guess. I, I think awards in some instances can be either culturally um, mm-hmm. important in some way. However, it's not like the end-all be-all. It's like, well, if it didn't win an, a Grammy or even if it's like it didn't win an Oscar, then it's, you know, who cares? It's like, that's stupid. You shouldn't... Like, it, like, any sort of art can stand on its own merit. It doesn't need an award to, you know, validate yeah. itself uh, or anything. Leonardo DiCaprio didn't need the that's Oscar why I don't, for us to know he's yeah. a good actor. 
Yeah. And now when he did, it was like, nice. oh, cool. Nice. That's nice to see finally. But like when Kendrick gets a Grammy, it's like, fuck yeah, he gets a Grammy. <laughs> he should get a yeah. Grammy. Like, like that makes sense, you know. It's 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 weird because like, I mean, hip hop is so competitive. Um, so awards make sense for hip hop, but you know what I mean. But it's just it's uh, like just to point out this, like you know, I love Fifty Cent, right? Especially his older work. You know, Fifty Cent has one Grammy. Can you that. can you guess for what song he got the Grammy? I don't remember. Uh, just guess. I don't know. Um, it's not in the club. It's not many men. It's not twenty one questions. It's not hate it or love it. It's not hustlers' ambition. It is. Crack a bottle with Eminem and Dr. Dre, which is probably the the worst song on oh, I Relapse. About that. Yeah. <laughs> One of the worst songs on Relapse. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's like it it makes no sense. Like these, I mean, was it uh the rap performance category this year? It was it was like a tie between. No kidding. Was it Anderson Pack for Bubblin', which is a fine song, but I was like very surprised that he got. Uh, he got even nominated, really. Wait, I got an email. Hold on. This is where we edit. Yeah, I know. Sorry. <laughs> this is where we edit. I got a, I got a message on... um. Tinder? No, oh. unfortunately. <laughs> That's very cool. Someone sent me a message on that academia.edu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said that they appreciated my thesis because they are also writing a thesis on instrumental hip-hop and i'm like that's really good that's cool nice. that's it's, good it's fun when you get like yeah i got a message from um I better see that that's a citation yeah i got a message from joe pater um professor at um amherst umass amherst oh cool and i went i went there last year to do a guest lecture and that's um right. and he messaged me and he was like doing a, a grad student a grad course on um language and music and he was asking if he could um where he could access my my work on tupac and stuff like that so that was fun that was it's always nice to like get those kinds of messages from um you know from fellow scholars scientists yeah i had a friend um he was teaching at university of georgia right now i think he's teaching like form analysis or some music theory class and one of them one of his students wanted to write something on Jay Dilla. So he messaged me and I was like, Hey, do you have any like sources he could use? And I was like, Oh boy, do I <laughs> like, I just like emailed him like my whole bibliography. And nice. I was like, have at it. Like, nice. <laughs> so it annoys me. Like when people say like, um, I was reading that one interview that Dan Charnas did when he was teaching that class on Dilla yeah. at NYU. And he's like, you know, not many people, you know, there's not a lot of writing on Jay Dilla. And, and in terms of academia, that's kind of true. But in terms of just in general, people, people, there's tons of writing. Even if it's not on Jay Dilla, like instrumental hip hop and production and blah, blah, blah. You know, there's so much stuff out there that are very, very, they're, that are worth looking at, I guess. Yeah, definitely. You know? It's, it's a, it's a shame when people just it's, assume it there's took me a while. There. Yeah. I mean, it took me a while to figure that out because it's not like, 
you know, it's unfortunately not like on no. in the forefront. You can't just Google like Jay Dilla music or like hip hop, and then it's just like seventy thousand books on that. You know, there's you know, there's. I guess we can get into since we're talking about research and books, we can get into the yeah. Kick Knowledge Book Club. It's the Kick Knowledge Book Club. Yeah, it's the Kick Knowledge <laughs> Book it's the worst Club. Song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the Kick oh, Knowledge wow. Book nice bass in that voice um this is my uh yeah that's the, that's the sm7b for you that's yeah. that joe rogan voice that npr yeah. hi you're listening to the kick knowledge podcast anyway um the book club we're reintroducing it so i read um adam crims uh his book rap music and the poetics of identity oh that's a classic very 2000 it's Yes, it's a very significant book in the the world of like hip hop studies and stuff, and it's kind of hard to find. So I mean, I obviously want to recommend it, but it's also a little bit difficult. I mean, my library had it, which is nice. Yeah. Why I read it and found it, but it kind of came out before yeah. like ebooks and stuff were available. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it might be kind of hard to find. I think it's on Amazon, but I could be wrong. But I, I don't. I think remember last time I saw it on Amazon, they don't like have a whole lot of copies. And it's also kind of expensive, mm. but um, so Adam Crims, where did he teach? He taught at Nottingham, I think. Is that the? Uh, because my my supervisor, my current supervisor, Justin Williams, shout out to Jay Willie was, yeah, 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 um, but um, and I can't remember. No, he also taught at um, shit, I don't remember. He taught in Canada mm. for a little bit as well, um. But uh, yeah, his book "Rap Music and the Poetics of Identity" is def- some if something everyone who listens to this podcast should read. I will say, however, that it's incredibly dense. Like it's very like the whole intro. It, like, it's talking about like how hip hop, you know, like relation to like postmodernism and Marxism and poststructuralism, and it's like holy shit, oh my god, like I thought we we're gonna talk about Ice Cube, <laughs> holy shit, like <laughs> it's just very very heavy. And I, I was not ready for how heavy it was going to be, um, but the like it, it does an analysis of this one, um, yeah, this one Ice Cube song, an analysis of this one Go- mm. Goody Mob song. There's a chapter on uh, Dutch hip hop, which is really nice. Um, Do you remember any insightful. of the artists that they discussed? Um, it's a lot of the ones that you guys, yeah, in the in the episode that's never coming out because the audio quality sucked. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, for just for the listeners, when Zach was visiting um, me in Groningen for the large professor interview, we, we being uh, Frank Stevens and uh, Kid Anarchist Gino, um, we tried to um, expose Zach to Dutch hip hop and record his reactions to it, and then um, that was very fun, and we might have to do it again because the audio wasn't. Like it wasn't good, <laughs> but um, but yeah. So he discusses. I'm assuming a lot of the it came out in 2000. The book, yeah, yeah. So it's a little bit dated. Oh my god, there's there's a section where he talks about like, uh, I think it's like jazz rap as a subgenre and like jazz rap groups. And he mentions, or I think I don't know if it was specifically it was jazz rap or boom bap or whatever. But he I, he did he just listed specific artists and so he mentioned like you know tribe called quest and and um 
anything produced by you know uh pete rock and stuff like, and then he mentions the black eyed peas and i'm like oh that has not aged well on it. but then again no, it has because in their last yeah. album hey it, like why, came why full circle black eyed <laughs> it was like on the um end of the year list i thought I yeah thought it was on the it. honorable mentions i think yeah yeah uh, yeah i like that record but, um, I thought that was right. He's like, oh yeah, like jazz rap group, Black Eyed Peas, and I'm like, ew, that hasn't. Oh wait, I yeah, guess it kind of has it, H well. Like, there's it, a whole it, twenty it, years. It did take that, like, seven. It did. Take you could like just skip over. Years. But yeah, yeah. And people forget that too. Man. They just know like he, he boom, saw boom, pow and that stuff. In the end, his yeah. book would be relevant because Fer- Fergie, Ferg- yeah, but, is um, it Fergie or Fergie, Fergie, right? Fergie. Yeah, Fergie. Yes, I didn't say, what the fuck? That's the name of the. That's the name of oh, this no. episode, Fergie. Oh, please don't let it like be with a J. Hey, do you say GIF or JIF? I started. I converted to GIF. I used to say Jeff, but I'm, I'm a full time. I've always said GIF. Giffer. Was it supposed to that be sounds GIF? Weird. Well, it stands for what it, graphics interchange into something format. Yeah, but then the the creator of the gif calls it jif so if the creator of no 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 it's, no 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 death of the author it sack it's death of the author <laughs> well he's we, yeah he's wrong author does not yeah, get yeah. a say in what his word means or how it's pronounced <laughs> but anyway going back to crims it's a very good book you should definitely check it out um yeah it's pretty heavy um, it's obviously very well. Yeah, researched. I mean, it's one of the. Nice. Um, it's one and the of best the, part of it. It's probably the pioneering work on rap flows too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, he doesn't really go into production or sampling a whole lot, but his the biggest thing to take that I took away from that, and also he did an article in uh this it's book that it's called a uh, music and marks. It's like Marxist analysis of specific music. And then he did a chapter on like hip hop as, as commodification in relation to Marxism. And it's very, once again, Whoa. it's very heavy, but he has this um, sort of concept called the hip hop sublime that he talks about a lot. And it's the way he defines it. And even still, he doesn't define it super clearly, which is why I've had so much trouble kind of like using it in my own research and analysis, because I'm like, because when he says sublime, he's referring to a specific type, like definition of sublime. Because when we think of something as sublime, it's like something is yeah. sublime. It's very like, you know, it contains qualities of yeah, greatness related to that specific. Yeah, to that specific art form or whatever. Um, but he defines it as, he says, clashing timbral qualities found in the song. So it's like, you know, and then he used like, um, Public Enemy as a great example in the Bomb Squad as like because you have all these like samples that are clashing with one another either tonally mm. or rhythmically or whatever but that's desired in that type of music like that is that's like what you want like you listen yeah. to Public Enemy and it's amazing you listen to Fear of a Black Planet and it's amazing because it's just you have so much going on and that's like a part of quick but, side note what was um, the, I know that Public Enemy was sort of your gateway drug to the rest of hip hop, right? Kind of, sort of, because I remember the first time I heard um, Takes a Nation of Millions. Nation like, of I Millions was your that first, that, that was your first day. record? 
No, but not I'm, my yeah. very first record, but it was my first record that I was like, yeah. I want, I want to do this forever. <laughs> like, I want to just study hip hop forever now. Um, but yeah, but my issue with that sort of definition is that not all hip hop production is like that. I mean, if you look at like Tribe Called Quest, like that's not tonally clashing or anything, but it's gorgeous and like. It, it it's I totally fits in my opinion like the hip hop sublime because and then obviously Jay Dilla like the reason why you know what I'm writing right now like he's like the perfect definition of what a hip hop sublime when it comes to like yeah. beat making should be but the way he defines it it's a little bit unclear and I might be misunderstanding what he's saying I don't know I might I might not have read it correctly but based on my interpretation it's very it's just a weird sort of definition. I don't know because he, the way the type of sublime he's referring to is like let's call it like the yeah. postmodern sublime, which is a very. I mean, then we're <laughs> we're gonna start talking about postmodernism, and then it's just gonna turn into. We've a done that before, show. right? But, um, what what episode? Yeah, what yeah. Episode like was I went that? on a rant about was we were talking it was about Nigel. It with Nigel. Oh, it's always and you like get I the think, fucking Ivy League what student what on there, and all of a sudden it. you're talking about talking about yeah, yeah. postmodernism again. <laughs> Yeah, I know, and it's just a very hard thing to define, like, because the way I'm still, like, interpreting the word sublime is a much more, like, modernist or even, like, pre-modernist era of, like, what yeah. sublime, like, what that means, but he's, like, using it in a different way, and it's like, oh, okay, well, this doesn't really make any sense to me then, so, oh, no, this is hard for me to really wrap my head around. Aside from, like, how insightful those quote-unquote older works on hip-hop are uh, one of the things that fascinates me is um how people in say look say like um the uh adam crumbs's work right came out in 2000 yeah um uh trisha rose a black noise is 1994 i think yes um like those books came like Imagine those books came out before Eight Mile the movie came out or before um Tupac and Biggie were murdered. Yeah. Like like before Auto Tune before not even before Auto Tune was used in hip hop, before yeah. Auto Tune was invented, right? Yeah. Spring of nineteen ninety seven. So like you know what I mean? Some of them. Yeah. And yeah, it's yeah. it's like it's mind blowing to like, it's so interesting to look at mm. older works on, on hip hop and how they discussed hip hop and how they tried to validate hip hop or describe it. And, um, it's, it's that like, that's, that makes those books like adds like an extra, extra layer of, of yeah, yeah. why those books are interesting. Interesting. You know yeah. what I mean? Totally. But I think, and Crims makes a good point because he quotes Rose because everybody quotes Rose. Yeah, of course. Like, it's every, like everybody cites Rose. Actually, um, I got a friend of mine who's not even in music or hip hop stuff. He's just a huge hip hop head. Um, and we went to the Sloan Village uh concert together, and he actually got that book, Black Noise, just because I was talking about it, and he was like, "That sounds really cool." And I was like, "All right." And he started reading it, and he really likes it. And I was like, "All right, very nice. nice. I'm impressed." Nice, nice, nice. nice but nice. um, but um. Because Crims, I said before, he doesn't really talk about sampling that much, but he does mention, you know, technology and turntables and stuff. Because he he pointed out like it's important to address that because 
you know, according to Rose, like what Rose talked about in Black Noise is like hip hop has always been about technology and its relationship to said technology. Um, like the way that hip hop has been able to evolve, period, is because of te- the technology. Yo, for real. And the evolution of tech, like DJing came, comes from turntables. But that is very, that is so relevant today still. Yeah. Like that's such a timeless sort of take. Cause it's, that's, that's an interesting take. It's like, case. I mean, I've heard plenty of times and I think that's a very, um, I've heard sort of the, um, framing of hip hop is, um, how do you say this? Like reinterpreting existing material and stuff like that, you know, like in terms of sampling and, and taking something and making it bigger or different, changing it, but framing it from the perspective of technology and then thinking of how people that i mean that even we interviewed eric sermon and 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 like and 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 them and and like large professor like how much their gear means to them and how sort of essential it was the equipment that they used the technology that they use how sort of vital those technologies were for their music um, I mean, I'm trying to think of like, and that goes even just beyond production. Cause I mean, when it comes to rapping, like that's going to influence how someone raps, you know, or yeah. sings or what, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I think the best, ex- best recent example, and I don't know exactly how this was produced, like, but, um, Earl Sweatshirt's most recent album, some rap songs. I don't know if it yeah. was produced on a 404, but it definitely sounds, it has that real like lo-fi compressed. It's the proper lo-fi filter on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it's yeah. just like real crunchy and gnarly. And like that's been a thing the past few years is like that real like, I mean, it's existed since like Madlib started using the like the 303, but um, and even before that, but like it just sounds so, and then that obviously influences oh, Earl raps because like the way he raps on that album is so like, kind of all over the place but like it's one it's intentional and two it fits with the production of it so well yeah and like that's a perfect example of like sort of the way the way technology has been moving forward influencing not only the production of it itself but how it relates to the i mean look like um at um mad villain or mad villainy yeah like all that stuff was made on a 303 sampler (laughs) i think um and you have all these like loops that don't really loop all the way and everything's real compressed and, er, you know, and then, you know, Doom, once he actually like recorded it, he wanted his voice. I actually remember reading that he had to re-record the entire album because he's just like, like when they listened to like the first takes or whatever, like he sounded too energetic and it didn't fit with the beats oh, that were going. And he was like, okay, I got to like, he, yeah, he like re-recorded every single song because it didn't fit with the vibe. It was already there so nice yeah it, oh, it's incredible um i'm trying to think of like this is i've, I've never th- this is me thinking out loud, loud so it might not make a lot of sense but i'm i'm thinking of this anecdote you're saying how like technology has changed even rapping and stuff not just production right yeah, um, yeah it's changed i mean even the entire scene like soundcloud and spotify like the way we could you know, consume it. Yeah. 
I'm even Produce thinking it, of like, like there's it's this, all um, yeah. There's this story uh, story of um, Eminem when he first um, what the first time he was in the studio with Dr. Dre and um, and the story goes that like Eminem is just going, he's rapping and he's sort of running out of breath and he just stops like. He does everything. He wants to do everything in one take. And then Dr. Dre is like, what the fuck are you doing? We can just punch you in. Right. Um, yeah. And for, for like those of you listeners who are not familiar with the term punch in, it means basically um, you don't rap the entire verse at once, but say you rap four bars, you stop the recording, you play back the yeah, recording you and you start recording again together, at yeah. the fifth bar. Right. So, and then you connect those yeah, you stitch those sort of takes together and you get this yeah, fluent. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I can, especially with Kanye, you can because he changes his stuff a lot, you can often hear when there's, um, like you can point the spe- to the specific point where a punch-in has occurred because like mm. Kanye's, um, his voice is slight, like his timbre is, is slightly different or something yeah, like that. Yeah, that just naturally happens, yeah. Yeah. But like Eminem was used to like um, a recording setting where he could only record in one take. And then he went yeah, to like yeah, the yeah. multi-million dollar Dr. Dre studio, you know, Aftermath. Yeah, yeah. And and that changes the way you write, right? And it also changes mm-hmm. the way you can perform your song's life. Because if you start writing your raps in a way that is perfectly fine for the punch-in method, but it's just like the syllables and the rhymes are too dense for you to like actually perform them in a single breath, you know, like mm-hmm. if you don't have time to breathe during your, your performance, you, you, you won't have enough breath to like actually mm-hmm. rap. And, and that changes so that there's the technology, um, like say in the early eighties, this technology wasn't really available to most rappers. And then yeah, yeah. Once, once it became, it, it makes you start, it makes you think of like, um, maybe the reason that rhyme schemes became more complicated and flows became more complicated than I went to the hat store when I bought myself I bought a hat. Myself a mat. Pause. Come on, y'all. Yeah. You know, like yeah, may, yeah. One, maybe one of the reasons it became more complicated is because technology allowed us to make it more complicated because we could punch in because we could tweak yeah. because we could double the takes. Like, I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm studying all these Tupac acapellas now and mm-hmm. like, like Tupac was a fucking master at doubling his takes. Yeah, yeah. He does it all the time. And I, and going back to the postmodern thing, I know we didn't want to talk about postmodern. Hey man, it's Curtis okay. It does make a very good <laughs> point that like so much of hip hop is postmodern. Like has postmodern way? characteristics. Like, I mean, there's a lot of, whether it's like production or rapping or what, or whatever, um, that is like either like, deconstructive or post-structuralist or like self-aware you know there's a lot of rapping about rapping like um like to hit like the way he talks about it, he's like the art form in and of itself is very postmodern, mm-hmm. and i agree with that to an extent because i don't because it's just, I think that it more has to do with like just the way we define postmodern is very like just this big old gray area because I'm like yeah. well that's not actually you know it's obviously like depending on who you're talking to everyone's going to have a different definition basically so it's like and I think in terms of like analysis just looking at it 
from like a really hardcore postmodern perspective, it's it's just like, eh, it just kind of gives you a headache. It's not really <laughs> like, I don't think it's a bad thing. I mean, I use stuff like that in my own writing and stuff, but with trying to like pin down, like whether it's post-structuralist or postmodernist <laughs> or blah, 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 is like, these are just such heavy academic yeah. terms. Like if we went to like, large professor or if we went back to large professor and was like you know your production is very postmodern and post he'd be like what the fuck yeah. are you talking about <laughs> like get out of my face like because it's just that term within the community and the culture is like i mean i guess it is but nobody's really like people are just making music shit i forgot to also mention i read another book that is is also incredibly good and um also a lot easier to read um than the crims but um uh, mark katz who i've mm. actually met before um he teaches at did you meet him in new york or yeah yeah but he teaches yeah. at unc chapel hill nice um but his book right. capturing sound um i i just finished like Was last it week capturing sound yes it's basically like the nice. like a it's not the entire history of recorded music, but it's a very sort of like general survey of like specific, specific uh, words, specific instances of like important aspects of how recorded music has like changed the way we as a society kind of like interpret record, interpret music and interpret recordings and stuff. And he calls yeah. it like the phonograph effect. So any sort of way in which I think I'm like understanding it correctly in which your interpretation or interaction with a piece of music is changed because of a recording is because of the music's re- recording. Yeah. is yeah. a phonograph effect, which is basically like, like let's, I mean, that's huge. I mean, that's like any time we, we like listen to music or make music. Like it's always like, I don't know. It's just like kind of mind blowing that it's just like, Oh yeah. Like so much. Yeah, it is. The, the way that we consume and interact with music today has like only been a fairly recent thing like o- over the past like hundred plus years you know because for thousands of years people didn't listen to music that way and it now it's just, like it, was, it wasn't possible no yeah and you could then imagine that like you could yeah. never hear the same interpretation like the same performance twice yeah like if it happened, it happened, and that was that was it. Like that's inc- that's insane because like I've heard certain songs, like I must have heard certain certain songs like over a hundred of times, like hundreds of of times, yeah. right? And that's and that's really a, a thing that wasn't possible until like the I don't know fucking forties or something. But um, and I didn't realize this. Like the LP, like what we understand is like the thirty three and a third. RPM yeah, yeah. LP didn't really come out until 47. Yeah. 1947. Then it wasn't really used frequently until the 50s. Yeah, 50s, Like, right, our yeah. idea of what an album is, like, that's just how, like, almost all recorded, not just popular music, but recorded music is consumed through, like, the the sort of, the concept of an album, you know? Yeah. And maybe it'll it'll be like an EP or a single sometimes, but still, like that's just how, and that's really only existed for like sixty-ish years. Yeah, that's crazy. Like sixty to seventy years, like that. That's yeah, that's just mind-bogglingly crazy to me. But um, anyway, there's a really good chapter on sampling, 
in in that book and he makes a really really good point about sampling not as just quotation but as if like an act of expression by the person who is sampling and as an act of transformation and i that I, I, fucking that is crucial i love that I like think... it's such a good because the way, way so much and i've done it i've the way i've kind of talked about sampling too is just like oh it's borrowing it's quoting you know it's you're saying someone else's words, which is still cool, but then, but in a way, it's like that's not that's that's too that's not that's only like a yeah. part of it, really. Yeah, that's like because like when we hear like if you hear any sort of hip hop beat, like yeah, if it's by Pete Rock or Jay Dilla or whoever, like you are hearing that artist. Like it's not a Bill Evans track. That was exactly. That you hear by their feelings. Blah, blah. It's yeah. them. It's yeah. their expression. It's it's. And sometimes the 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 emotion that it triggers or the thoughts yeah, yeah. that it triggers are like 180 degrees different from the original sample. Like yeah. it's completely outside of its context. It becomes different, and it becomes like when we were talking to Large Professor about yeah. when he sampled Human Nature. Like that's his oh, yeah. expression. That's not him just being like, I'm just gonna, you know, hey, hey guys, look, it's Michael Jackson song. Yeah, <laughs> like, look at me, no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm playing. That's Michael not really Jackson. what it's about. No. Yeah, it's not really what it's about. It's him express using that as a form of expressing. Yeah, you know, and that then part of the beat, it's, I guess. it's also a, a sort of signifying in a way if um, it being a reference to the blend tapes, and then it's his expression of like. The emotion in that beat or it's and it's and it's it might be related to human nature the original song but it doesn't have to be you know what i mean yeah. and it could be something completely different and even if it's very similar it could still be new it could still be a new expression and it could still be part of or not i don't know yeah basically what you just said <laughs> yeah yeah i think that's very important because um I think for years, people have been defend decades even people have been attacking sampling as being stealing, and then a lot of people have sort of, including us ourselves, probably we've defended it by saying that um, no, it's not stealing, it's it's borrowing, it's recontextualizing, it's reinterpreting, it's citing, and all which is partly and true. And it's all true. However. All of that is true, but and and then we're comparing it to like um you know, literature or poetry where, where somebody, where, where one poet, uh, cites another, but you know, it's, there is this extra level. And I think that's very, very good. That's in the book. Um, yes, it's, but yes, point is you should read capturing sound by Mark. Kent. Yes. Do it's it. on Amazon right now. Yes. Is it on sale? It's very, uh, I don't know. We have a special promo code for it. Um, it's it's check out our Amazon affiliate link. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. I wish we did. That would be amazing. Someone please sponsor us. Give us money, please. Yes, please do. Um, yes. <laughs> hey, I, I saw the Kanye podcast guys have a Kickstarter running. Maybe they can send us some money. I would appreciate that a lot. Yeah, I mean they're they're in touch with Kanye, right? He's got money. He's got Trump money. Let's just ask, yeah. Balding Donald Trump taking dollars from y'all. Yeah, that's so appalled quote. 2010, when Yeezy was still sane. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) 
like I said, I was playing Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy earlier today, so I'm mm. fresh on my uh, 2010 Kanye lyrics. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of uh, just beat sets um, on YouTube just because I oh, like... Yeah. I'm just watching like producers like DiBiase and stuff, like just doing... like Just because, especially since I did one yesterday. Um, yeah, so to the listeners, I did my first like beat set. Nice. At an open mic. Uh, but um, In Bristol? Yes. Nice. Um, hopefully that won't be the last one. Um, Definitely but, not. Uh, but yeah, I've, I guess I was trying to figure out, I was like, okay, what does a beat set look like? Like, how does that supposed to sound like and, and stuff like that? And um, there's this venue called Beat Cinema, which just opened, I think they're in LA, um, but they have a YouTube channel and you should, if you just want to listen to some really fucking sick beats, <laughs> like you should go. And then the guys like, um, I'm trying to remember who, else. occasionally they'll do like, We'll have rappers on there too who will do stuff. I think Open Mike Eagle was on there. Zero's on there. Um, Ooh, Open Mike Eagle is coming to Groningen. That's right. Uh, home base. Shout out to Home Base. Shout out to Frank. Um, Frank Stevens. He's actually coming to Bristol. He's coming to Bristol the week before, and I might like go see him twice. Nice. <laughs> like see him then, and then. Yeah, that's you know. that's the plan. Uh, we'll see if that. <laughs> that's awesome. Um, but yeah, sorry. Continue. But yeah, I was just, man, those shows are so good. Um, yeah, Dibiase, um, who else? Uh, I've watched, he's done a few shows and I've watched all of his because he's just fucking great. I've noticed since, like, the low-end theory closed down, yeah. there seems to be... Other stuff At least in the up. LA area. Yeah, I know, like, Fat Beats is doing, like, live sets now. Oh, nice. Well, I mean, they might have been before. I don't remember. But then, like, I mean, it's a huge Fat void Beats. in LA, I guess. Yeah. I went so Fat was Beats huge. is, um, Beat Cinema is, yeah. Um, who else? Well, Beat Cinema's been around for a little while, but um, uh, Devin Who, which is really great. Uh, he did a set. I'm trying to figure out who else. I want to say Knowledge has, but I could be wrong. The point is, go check that out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> go check that out. Really, really yeah, good. Yeah, we can't really do like justice here. Um. <laughs> if you're at work and you just want to listen to some cool beats and stuff, then you should definitely check out their channel. But yeah, that's basically what I've been doing is listening to that channel and writing and doing everything Jay Dillo related. That's basically my life. Have you, past um, few months. have you watched any Netflix lately? Oh, yeah. So we were going to talk about Killer Mike's new show. Yes, I haven't seen it yet, but I have seen his um, interview on the, um, the Breakfast Club. On I've seen clips from the Joe Rogan experience, and um, I've seen I've heard his Brilliant Idiots appearance, which is entertaining. But I haven't seen the show. So I it's getting a lot of praise. Um, and I think there are a lot of aspects of the show that I think are done fairly well. I heard one story. Or, uh, I think, he talked about like getting a business loan with the Crips or something. What was it? Yes, that was a good episode. That's probably my favorite <laughs> nice. episode. Right. But um, sounds dope. I would say overall, it's a. It's basically a. The entire show is an example of how to. It's just social justice executed pretty poorly. <laughs> I would say. Um, I don't. Uh, there are aspects of the show that I do like that I think Killer Mike, 
Killer Mike does a very good job of. But there are some aspects that I'm like, just. And maybe that was the, you know, since it's called trigger warning, obviously, like, I think one of the goals was, hey, let's piss everybody off, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And then I, you know, in some cases it was like, OK, yeah, you pissed me off. Now what? You, you did it. Good job. Like, it just seems pointless to kind of do that in some cases. Like, for example, like um, the episode about school, I think it was the second episode. Like, he go, he, the whole sort of thesis of the that public school thing right? is. Yes, but he's all. He's, yeah. It's basically talking about how like public school doesn't support uh, trade jobs, and they need to do that more. Right, and there needs to be right. more emphasis he on was like on um on the on the Breakfast Club, and he got in a kind of fierce debate with DJ Envy, and um, mm-hmm. usually the fierce debates are with Charlemagne, but this time around, um, basically Killer Mike was saying that DJ Envy was a chump for sending his kid to private school. And not public school. I'm never quite sure with Killer Mike. Obviously, he's a great MC. He's one of the greats. Uh, yeah, uh, definitely a recent. There's years. a scene. There's a scene in the fifth episode where he does an uh, uh, it's like a barbershop quartet version oh, of shit. like lie, cheat, steal, kill, or whatever, nice. and it's just amazing. <laughs> the rest of the episode is awful, but that one scene is that like scene makes it just makes me so happy. And he does it at like an old folks home, like in like a retirement like, home. Like I never, I never get Killer Mike so completely. Anyway, I'd love to have him on the show sometime. Um, oh my god! But I never, Killer Mike. I, I still like you a lot. Please yes, come on the show. Please do. <laughs> I just trigger think, warning's amazing. I just we just disagree on some things. That's all. <laughs> like, I don't get like I know his. I I get it, but he's like he's it's kind of weird because like a lot of his standpoints are very contradictory, especially in sort of the standard way of looking at politics. Because like he's socialist level left in one way yeah and then he's also very anti-government which is doesn't make a lot of sense because usually it's very like anarch it's like anarcho-communist or yeah, something it's but like like usually it's um like when you're right wing like conservative you want limited power for the government right and when you're on more on the left side of the spectrum you say that you do you oftentimes you'd like more government interference in the sense that the government takes care like there's there's going to be like a support system in place for people losing their job or getting in trouble with in Um, for health reasons i mean yeah he was that and then he's like bernie sanders kind of like further to the left than, than bernie sanders and then he also supports like guns because he wants he did like an nra commercial yeah, and he does stuff. An NRA like, oh, commercial Jesus. and he wants to promote gun ownership because he thinks people should be able to should know what it's like to kill the animals that you eat and he wants to be self-reliant so he makes that point of like more emphasis needs to be put on like you know when teaching kids you know like options for vocational schools and you know learning a trade yeah. and stuff like that i completely yeah, agree of course, with that, that makes like, a lot of that's sense that's a good point however he, there's a scene where he like goes to like a first grade class and it's just like asking the kids like what do they want to be when they grow up and the kids are like i want to be an astronaut i want to cure cancer all this great stuff that kids say and he's like well that's not going to happen like he totally shuts these kids down and it's so shitty Dude. And I'm like, why? Hey, like it broke I saw my this heart tweet come past. Uh, like you posted it a while back, but I saw I scroll through my Twitter feed, um, and I saw your tweet, and it was about what you wanted to be as a kid, and then what you are now, and 
You were oh, like yeah, yeah, yeah. an astronaut. <laughs> what I am now, a hip hop scholar. I think <laughs> yeah. the younger me would be confused, but think it was kind of kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. I love that tweet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, by the way, if you're on Twitter, uh, follow us on Kick Lower Dash Knowledge and um, Zach Diaz Music already, yeah. and Stephen Lower Dash yes. Gilbers. We are anyway, very entertaining but, um, to follow. I think. I feel like I barely tweet. Yeah, I do. But, I do a little bit. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so he like he does that whole thing, and I'm like, why? Like, I know that it was played kind of like as a joke, but even still, like telling kids that their dreams aren't feasible, like because the point was, it's like, no, you need to you need to be realistic and stuff. You don't like have to that. be realistic like, when you're fucking seven. Don't tell kids that. <sighs> yeah, like don't if tell. There's kids anything that. you like, have come to come on, like. Yeah, I, I mean, hmm. I, and it's like I get what he was saying, but like I said before, like it, the way it was executed, should have told not, the teachers, not that. No, but then there's a scene where he's talking to the teacher about his sort of curriculum, and obviously, also I feel like for somebody who became a famous fucking rapper with a Netflix show, he's not the one to talk about somebody's dreams not coming true, possibly. You know, um, that makes. I no know sense. it just seems, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but um, no, there is a scene where he goes to the principal and talks about like his curriculum. Obviously, the principal's like, "No, <laughs> like I'm not letting this happen." Hey, is there uh, anything else we want to discuss? Um, I think we need right. to support our friend of the pod, Zach friend Frank Stevens. Pod. Just Frank, yeah. um, earlier this year, started um, working for a Dutch radio station, Kink, and um, yeah. It's like alternative music. And um, he started off making playlists on Spotify and now he's got his own very own podcast. It's the Kink Home Base podcast named after his home base shows that we very much love because it was through Home Base that we got to talk to Large Professor. Um, and uh, most of the episodes are in Dutch. So he, so if you're say. Dutch, check it out. But recently they did um, um, Frank had an interview with the doppelgangers and I actually produced the interview for him because that broke ass motherfucker doesn't have any equipment of his own. So he asked me <laughs> to produce the episode, which basically meant me clicking play, pressing play or record. I mean, and, uh, and interrupting yeah. a few times, but it's a very entertaining episode. So you should check it out. It's the King home base podcast, especially if you're Dutch, you should check it, check it out on a weekly basis. But I mean, Frank's got good taste. So, um, his playlist is worth checking out as well. And um Yeah. Yeah, in terms of us uh in terms of kick knowledge, I think you mentioned it before, Zach. Um we have a live thing coming up and we can't really discuss the full details do, yet, it's, but it's it's gonna be in Bristol. It's the the yes, it's the elements yes. conference. And it's just gonna be a big I think it's three days, June sixth to June eighth, and we're going to be involved in some facet yeah. or another i'm not entirely sure what exactly the exact like, nature of things is gonna um become clear we're still all trying to i mean i'm part of like the organization committee so but yes uh something might be so if you're in the bristol area um stay tuned for all your british listeners yes exactly uh this will be post brexit so if you haven't killed yourself by then um <laughs> holy jesus <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no or comment. if like if well maybe there is it could be like have you rationed yet zach 
you've got a couple weeks to like oh, yeah. ration for food and stuff and uh, toilet paper. Because like you know that stuff isn't made in the UK. You know that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Unless they decide to like you know not go through with it, which would be nice. Yeah, would, that would be nice. Yeah. Hey, so that doesn't seem to be how it's going to turn out, which is unfortunate. But Miss Miss May, I know you're listening. You, <laughs> it's okay. Sometimes you lose. Just take an L. Just do it. You got to take an L on this one. <laughs> With that being said, is there anything else we want to say? Not that I can think of. No, it's good to be back, man. Yeah, for real. All right, stay tuned for the next episode, guys. We're gonna be back soon. Next episode. Ah. <laughs> I love that. I'm gonna part. keep that in, man. Guess who's back, back, back again, again. Steven's back, back. So okay, is Zach, Zach. Please stop. Guess who's back, <laughs> guess who's back, guess who's back. Steven, Zach, it is guess Zach, who's back. Steven, back. Zach, guess who's back. Na, 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 da, 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 Ask me if I'm trying to acknowledge, 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 acknowledge.